0: Start a little differently this morning than I normally do. We're going to actually begin with a verse today, and then I'll, uh, well, we'll define that as we go. Proverbs 6 6 Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, or ruler, and yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. The wisdom of Proverbs. This is a, a verse where, that when our kids were young, we taught our kids this verse uh, in the process of helping them learn to do their household chores and so on and so forth. I will, as I did with my kids, I will refrain from calling any of you sluggard at any given, given time. Uh, but we, we are going to, the reason I, I started with this, we're going to go to the ant today. I want uh, to kind of look at the ant this morning. Very interesting little creatures. I, I don't know... Ants are, a, are uh, basically, they're not very bright, okay, they're, they're just not. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen one ant. Anybody ever seen one ant solo? If you do, they they're frantic. They run around in circles and they don't know what to do. They're very disoriented when they're by themselves. However, you don't see that very often because normally they're in groups. We call them colonies, ants live in colonies. And when they're together, they're incredibly organized and accomplish a lot. Here's just a little bit of uh, information in in case, you know, you weren't up on this. A single ant is a rather limited organism with little ability to reason or accomplish complex tasks. I have it on good authority that ants can actually only carry on six behaviors. There's six things they know how to do. That's it. After that, it's over. As a whole, however, an ant colony accomplishes astounding tasks from building hills and dams to finding and moving huge amounts of food. In this context, emergent properties refers to the qualitative changes that occur in ant behavior when individual ants work together. The organization of ants only possible when the systems works as a whole and individual actions reinforce each other is an emergent property. Ant colonies are... An example of what is known in science as emergent property theory. Emergent property theory is this, it's a term used in science, systems theory, philosophy, urbanism, and even art. Emergent properties or emergence refer to those properties that arise from the collaborative functioning of a system but do not belong to any one part of the system. So, an emergent property is what happens when a group of things work together for a common cause. In other words, emergent properties are properties of a group that are not possible when any of the individual elements of that group act alone. Cities, the brain, ant colonies, and complex chemical systems, for instance, all exhibit emergent properties that serve to illustrate the concept. So an emergent property is, again, when we come together and work together towards something, we accomplish something that can't be accomplished alone. There's another a number of dynamics to that. Uh, one is efficiency, obviously, getting things done. But another is is a sense of sort of collective community and excitement and expectation. And and I I find this to be most real in uh, sporting events. So uh, when we moved here uh, in the late '90s to plant this church, I. Became aware very quickly that the Trail Blazers were kind of the only show in town, only sport, major sports team, and that Portland people are very uh, in tune with their Blazers. So we became Blazers fans really as a way to connect. But over the years, we've grown to really enjoy uh, basketball and enjoy watching the Blazers play. So, but here's the thing, and why I bring that up is this, simply that watching a game is actually way better on TV. Agreed. It's way better on TV. You can see better. Uh, it's up close. Instant replay, play-by-play play, play comments. Uh, you can go to the bathroom with no line. Beers don't cost ten dollars. It's a way better experience all the way around. Except that, except that, when you go to a game, there's something about being in the room. There's something about being in that environment that you cannot duplicate otherwise. It's exciting. When that many people come together, I I I am not a soccer fan, but I have really been thinking I want to go to a Timbers game just because it looks so stinking exciting. I mean, those people are crazy, and I just think, wow, that looks like fun. So that is also uh, an illustration of emergent property. There's something that there's a dynamic that really is intangible that's in the air that happens when people come together for something uh, that. Doesn't happen when they're alone. I mean, really, how much fun is it to watch a sporting event by yourself? It's not that fun. It's not that fun. Even at home, it's more fun if you have a lot of people over because you yell. I don't know if you a yell by yourself. It's just, it doesn't, I don't know. It just doesn't work. Whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, you get it. So another example is this. This is something we see very often uh, here in the Northwest. I love it. In the fall, sometimes you go out in the early in the morning we're not going to shoot the birds. What? We did it. Oh, where have you been? Golly. He's interrupting me to take an offering, and I already did it. He's asleep back there. Um, I love when I go out in the morning, get the newspaper, and yes, I read a newspaper that's printed on paper. Thank you very much. Um, but you see geese flying over, you know, the Canadian geese and migrating, and they fly over in that big V, and you hear them, and it's just cool to watch. Well, here's something that I bet you didn't know, that when they fly in that formation, the geese are 71%, 71% more efficient than if they tried to fly alone. In fact, the, those geese, if, if one goose solo tried to migrate the way that they do, he would not be able to make it from point A to point B in time. They couldn't get there in time. Their migration process would be completely lost, and they'd be wintering somewhere else. I don't know where they would go, but not where they're supposed to be. They are faster, they go farther, and they deal with less energy when, when they're together. And so by now, you're wondering, what does any of this have to do with anything? Well, we're talking about worship here the last few weeks. We talked about intimacy in worship last week. We talked about celebration and the dynamic of praising God in the midst of trials and tribulations the week before that. This morning, I want to talk about what happens when we come together in corporate worship. And we're going to title today The Science of Worship. There is uh, some emergent property theory that takes place when we gather together in the name of Jesus and lift Him up in praise. So Lord, again, we just look to You and we ask that You would uh, bless Your Word today and that You would cause it to transform our hearts into the image of you, and to give us a greater and greater desire to come into your presence and worship. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, and once again, we will begin with a psalm today, Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Um, psalm says that we are to come before the Lord with joy, with thanksgiving, singing uh, and it's, it's an encouragement for all the earth to do that. Uh, I want to talk about, for just a moment, singing together. Uh, we, we will look later in this series at some point at a uh, lifestyle of worship and how worship is, is bigger than just what happens when we're together. There's much more to it than that. However, that said, I, I, I really I believe this to be both um, biblically true as well as just true in general, that there's something... Unique about music and, and about singing together that that happens that's uh, really i don 't know i don 't even know how to describe it but but music is a gift i think I believe music is one of the most uh, beautiful gifts of god that that he's given to us um, it, it's 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 profound and it 's powerful i don 't know you, you know music can can uh, change your mood. It can change your attitude, your behavior. You know, it can change so much about it. it's just being in, the, in, in just, just music alone, but being in the presence of God is music. It really is a universal language, and it kind of defines boundaries. Uh, again, I was driving around with uh, my, my friends from Nicaragua. The kids were with us last week, and we were driving in the car, and I'm playing some oldies tunes in my car. And, you know, they grew up in a Latin America, but they're singing with every oldies song that came on the radio. They knew them all and uh And they knew him in English, and they probably knew him in english before they spoke english There's just a a universal thing that happens in, in music um it's It's one of the most amazing gifts it's just it's it's this beautiful scripture scripture is really clear that that gift of music and singing is something that uh is uh a very important part of our worship and and it really is it, it really is um when we come together as God's people, and we, we lift our, our hearts and our voices up to the Lord in worship. Psalm 22 tells us that God then inhabits the praise of His people. We worship Him, and His presence comes into the room, right? Anybody experienced that? Um, God penetrates, and He permeates, and He proliferates the presence of the people of God. How do you like that? It's pretty good, huh? Um, That's what happened when Solomon dedicated the temple. Solomon and the people came together and Solomon prayed to the Lord and the presence of God came and filled the room. And I I just want to say that's the goal. That's what worship is about. It's about us communing with God in such a way that His presence is is tangible and real, that we know that He's here with us. That's That's what we worship for. That's the goal. The goal is not... Uh, to have a big crowd necessarily. The goal is not to, to uh, you know, participate in any certain style or, or instrumentation or anything like that. The goal is, is not just to have warm fuzzies. Those are all fine things. They're all good and, and part of it. But the goal really is uh, to commune with God in a very intimate and personal way, the presence of God to be real with us. That's, that's what, what it's all about. Singing together is an interesting thing. Culturally, I believe that it's being lost, and I I think it's interesting that today, corporate worship is one of the only places left where people really come to sing together. Historically, there was much more of that, if you remember... You know, back in history, you know, camping. People would go camping and they would sing campfire songs. And I know people still go camping today, but I don't think they sing campfire songs as much as they used to. Uh, you know, people would go to pubs and they would sing drink sing drinking songs. And, and certainly, people still go to pubs, but I don't think they sing drinking songs in pubs anymore. They do other things. You know, there was back in the early America, the parmer shop quartet would wear their little bow ties and their flat hats, and they would stand on the corner and they would sing. And people would gather around and sing with them. And we don't see that today. That doesn't happen. You know, I, I don't know how many old movies I've seen where you know, or historic movies where, you know, there's always people gathering and they're in the house and they're having a dinner party or whatever. There's always a, a pretty lady in a nice frilly dress and she'll sit down at the piano and start to play and she'll start to sing and then everybody will gather around and they'll all sing together. And we just don't see that kind of thing happening in our culture very much anymore. People don't come together to sing. And I really believe there's something that we as a church have to encourage our culture by coming together and singing. And that when people come into that, they're going to to capture something that's being lost in other places. And I think that's a gift that God's given us that we can share with the world. So that's just a little side note there. But I also want to, in this, give a little precaution. And I say this as a precaution to us, nothing more than that. But sometimes, sometimes today, I believe, worship in certain environments and settings has become more like the rest of culture and more like a concert than worship, where we come together and we're entertained by a band and we don't participate in the same way. And again, I'm, I'm saying this, it's an observation I've made, and I'm saying it as a precaution to us as a congregation. I think it's in that dynamic when we come together with sort of more of a focus on being entertained than entering in that we become critical. You know, oh, I don't like that, or why did that guy play that, or whatever. And I'll give you an example before Donna and I moved here to plant the church, we we uh, you know we had been at at our church in Anaheim for 20 years, and been working at the church most of that time and been there every Sunday, so we didn't rarely had opportunities to visit other churches. So we wanted to visit some other churches in the area before we left. So we took a couple of weeks off before we moved, and there was one uh, kind of at that time new and sort of upcoming prominent church in Orange County, pastor was an author, I had had read some of his work and really appreciated it, so we wanted to visit, so we went to visit. And um, beautiful, beautiful uh, campus and gorgeous facility building and the parking guys were very helpful and got in, it was nice, everything was really, really great. A couple things that were a little bit unsettling to me, very different from from my experience. One is, their building was glass, a lot of it was glass, a lot of windows, which was pretty, It was nice except that a lot of the folks wore sunglasses in church. And I just felt like it was sort of Hollywood. You know, everybody's got their sunglasses on in church. I don't know, maybe it was practical for them, but for me it was like, whatever. The other thing was this. Worship started, and there was probably 12 people or so on stage. I don't remember exactly. Two guitars, drummer, percussionist, two keyboard players, three singers, brass, horn section, dialed in. I mean... The, the sound was amazing. It was perfect. It was like being at the schnitzer in a concert. And that was the problem, is it was like being at the schnitzer in a concert. The congregation largely observed what was happening on stage, and at least from my perspective, they were not entering in. Very few people were singing or sort of engaging as much as watching. And so I just... Share that with us as a precaution again. As a congregation, as a local congregation, local expression of the body of Christ, I believe we need to contend for worship. I believe we need to fight for it, make sure that we don't allow that to happen in our midst. And I'm going to go on record today and say that that's not all on the worship team. That's on us. That's on the congregation. The worship team's job is to lead worship. They, pre- they prepare the set list and they rehearse and they prepare to lead us into worship. But our responsibility is to follow and to enter in. And if we allow ourselves to slip to that place where we're just sort of going through the motions and or just watching and critically being entertained or whatever, I think then we lose something very powerful in the kingdom of God. So again, just a precaution. Um, as I said last week, and again, this is the thing, that worship is transformative. It's really in the presence of God. It's in that place where the Spirit of God fills the room, the glory of the Lord fills the temple, that we are transformed into the image of Jesus. We become more like Him. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but very often um, you leave church in a different mindset than you came. And there's even you know, incremental transformation that takes place day by day as we said last week going from glory to glory we are transformed in the midst of God's presence in worship it's really really powerful and that only happens in worship that doesn't happen other ways in other places uh, we we live in an information age i mean we live in this is the information age right it's the information age. you can it's kind of fun it's kind of fun you can find out and you can you can know anything right we're driving somebody goes what's this or what's that i'm going to look it up and you know the answer in 4 seconds it's just it's really crazy but it's it's sort of fun i like that um, but the, the downside of that is that we're overloaded with information. We can become kind of addicted to it. Uh, it, it when, when we need to know everything all the time, it kind of becomes a form of idolatry. And what I mean by that is it takes precedence over entering into the presence of God. We think just knowing more information will help us. You know, information is power, right? Well, in some settings, yes, but in the presence of God, no, it's not. The power is when the presence of God brings the information that's in us to life. And begins to bring it to life. Um, information is good. Don't get me wrong. And biblical information, specifically, is very, very good. It's helpful. We want to know the word of God, but it doesn't transform you. We're transformed in the presence of God. Transformation is experiential. It's it's not. Um, it's it, it's experiential. It's not informational. Okay. So here's a. I'll. I'll um, I'm going to modify, slightly modify a Wimberism today. John Wimber used to say, Christianity is not a spectator sport. I would say worship is not a spectator sport. Worship is 100% participatory. So suit up, get in the game. Right? We want to be in the game. We don't want to be in the sidelines and we don't want to be in the stands. Um, we want to be transformed in the presence of God. Another dynamic, I think, that takes place in worship that I want to mention today is spiritual warfare. Worship is warfare. It really is. And 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 again, it's a powerful thing that I think we overlook sometimes. Psalm 8 says, though, through the praise of children of infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies. Through the praise of infants and children, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe of the Avenger. So even the worship of children can push back darkness. And I say that. But I'm wondering maybe if it's not especially the worship of children rather than even the worship. I mean, there may be a dynamic in the innocence of children that we could learn from by entering into worship with the freedom that they have and push back darkness. If you if you don't live under a rock, you know that there's a war going on, right? And we see it. We see it all around us. There's darkness. Uh, we see it in injustice. We see it in in, in racism and in poverty and in violence and in all of the things that are happening around us all the time and one of the key strategies the Lord has given us to combat that darkness is really just to come in his presence and worship and it seems so simple it seems like well how is that doing anything but here's what it does so worship invokes the presence of God right God inhabits the praise of his people so more worship more presence Right? More worship, more presence. The more the people of God release their hearts in worship, the more God's presence comes into the world around us and dissipates the darkness. And we fight against principalities and powers by entering into the praise of God. And so I say, let there be light. Let there be light. Let's enter into the presence of God and worship Him and see what change that brings to our communities. Third and final dynamic I'll just mention real briefly this morning, and if you guys want to come on back up and start getting ready, you can. Um, we talked last week also a little bit about healing, but worship is, is a healing experience. Um, the darkness and the corruption that we see in the world around us is visible in a number of ways, but one of those is sickness. Sickness. And and we've been a, we've been aware of that lately here even in our congregation, and I believe that worship is one of the ways that we combat sickness in the world today, and that God will release healing in the midst of worship. I, I don't have this on. I, I don't have a proof text or a biblical kind of. You know, I I, I could probably do a study, but I haven't. But I'm going to say this that I don't. I don't believe healing will happen in a significant measure without worship. That's just that's my hypothesis. I don't believe healing will happen if we want to see we pray for more healing. I don't think we'll see healing happen in a significant measure without more worship accompanying that. So just a brief summary of the science of worship, emergent property theory related to worship. Corporate worship is transformative. Corporate worship invokes God's presence and pushes back darkness. Corporate worship Releases healing. Why don't you guys stand? Last thing I'll say is this: We started by talking about emergent property theory and the ant colony, and the geese flying over, and sports fans, and all that. And there really is a natural dynamic that takes place in those environments when we come together. That that's all true and that's all real. And we can experience that. There's nothing wrong with it. It's all good. The difference between worship and everything else is this: that in worship, God's the focus. And basketball, basketball is the focus. I don't know what the focus of ant colonies are. The birds are focused on getting where they're going. But in worship, we're focused on the presence of God. That's what we're focused on. We, we want to lift our hearts up to Him and come into the place where He's with us. That's what we want to do. So we're going to just take a few minutes and close with another song of worship today, and then we will, uh, we'll pray together.